Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When we first began the book of Romans, I read you a quote from Martin Luther who was talking about the book of Romans, and I'd like to read you that again, read it with you again. Martin Luther, on the book of Romans, he said, this epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament and the very purest gospel, and is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but occupy themselves with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. It can never be read or pondered too much. The more it is dealt with, the more precious it becomes. Martin Luther wrote that. And I read it to you some months ago now. And I think that if you have been with us in our study throughout the book of Romans, I think that this comment probably... Uh, means a little more to you now. As we have covered many, many things in the book of Romans, I don't know about you, but it probably uh, has become my favorite New Testament book. And I probably say that every book I teach. But this one, really, uh, because we've learned so much. And in chapters 1 through 8, we've talked about doctrine and how important doctrine is and how important it is to Get yourself grounded in doctrine. And then in chapters 9, 10, and 11, we talked about God's promises to Israel and how those promises are relates to the Gentile. And if, if God is faithful to keep his promise to Israel, then God would be faithful to keep his promise to us Gentile folk. Very important. And then when we got to chapter 12, if you were with us, things kind of shifted. We were talking about doctrine in chapters 1 through 8, 9, 10, 11. Then we get to chapter 12 and we move away from doctrine or position to duty and practice. And in chapter 12, the book turns and now we start dealing with some practical things. And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about some very practical, powerful uh, portion of the book of Romans. It began in chapter 12 and verse 1. Go ahead and Peek at it, if you will, as Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed in verse two. Are you looking at it? And be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will 
of God. Chapters 12 through 16 deal with duty and practice and how God wants us to live in the world. How God wants us to live in relation to the body of Christ as we talked about the gifts of the spirit and God has given those gifts to the body. And how we're to serve one another and love the family of God and how we're to love our enemies and and, and pray for those and love those who persecute us. So the first part of chapter 13, if you were with us last week, we talked about how to be a good Christian, how to be a good citizen by paying your taxes. And it was really interesting. Last week, I found out we didn't sell that many CDs from that sermon. (laughs) I wonder why. We talked about paying your taxes in the first part. This morning, listen, we're going to talk about in the second part of chapter 13, it deals with how to be a good Christian. The first part deals with the need to pay your public debt. Watch this. The second part deals with taking care of your private obligations. Citizens and Saints, part two, as we talk about our relationship to other citizens within the state or the government. This morning, I'd like to pick up in verse five, because we didn't have much time last week to elaborate on five, six, and seven. So why don't we pick up in verse five this morning? We'll read right down to verse 14. We'll come back and have some comments. Romans chapter 13, saints, we pick up in verse five. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Therefore, in verse five, you must be subject to Not only because of wrath, but also for what, saints? Conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor implied is due. Owe no one anything except to love, in verse 8, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, what does it say, saints? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on. Notice, cast off, put on the armor of light. And let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you read verse 14 with me? But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. As I said last week concerning our duty 
and relationship to the government. Remember, we ended right here that we are to respect the government, that we are to submit to it, that we're to pray for it, that we are to pay our taxes, support it. And occasionally, remember we said, we're to disobey it. And we are to be good citizens, not only because God established a law, but for the purpose, and he established this law for the purpose to bring judgment on evildoers, but we're also to be good citizens, according to verse 5. It tells us for conscience sake, for conscience sake. You know, I just learned this past week, and maybe you knew, Did you know that the IRS has what is known as a conscience fund, a conscience fund? Every year, there are 50, get this, 50 to 100 million dollars deposited in the conscience fund by people that got away with something and they feel guilty about it. And so they anonymously send in the money and they say, sorry, I should have paid this and I didn't. 50 to $100 million goes into the conscience fund every year for people who didn't pay their taxes and they feel guilty. Well, my conscience is fine. (laughs) What happened in the past just stays in the past. Can I get a witness? Somebody yell at me. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're going to just leave that alone. Unbelievable, 50 to a million dollars, 50 to 100 million dollars, unreal. So Paul tells us, notice in verse 7, I just thought that was an interesting tidbit I need to share with you. And uh, Paul says in verse 7 in your Bibles, notice, render to all their due, taxes to whom taxes is due, that relates to income tax. Customs to whom custom is due, that relates to sales tax. Fear and reverence to whom reverence is due. And honor, watch this, saints, please don't miss it. Honor to whom honor implied is due. We need to, Christians, listen, if we're going to be good Christian people, we need to honor those to whom honor is due. I honestly think in our culture, we've gotten so politically correct, we forgot about this thing called honor and respect to whom honor and respect is due. Parents, can I encourage you, teach this to your children when they're young. I come from the old school. And in my mom, she, she taught us that. Honor to whom honor is due. Here I am, 40-something years old. Okay, 47. <laughs> Got to tell the truth, I'm in the pulpit. And I still go back to the old neighborhood in Philly. Cheese steaks, yeah, baby. <laughs> I go to the old neighborhood, knock on the door. You know, people I haven't seen in a long time, you know. How you doing, Miss Gloria? How you doing, Mr. Dave? I still call people Mr. and Mrs. Nowadays, kids are calling people by their first name. Then please don't misunderstand me. If that's what you do, that's fine. I just don't think, I think that you could be better served if you teach your children at a young age. See, my mom taught me, you never call an adult by their first name. 
I actually did that once. <laughs> my mom didn't play. I mean, you call somebody by the first, you call an adult by the first name. And where I, in my family, my mom, you didn't even get into grown folks' conversation. <laughs> Two grown people talking, you come up, oh, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you do that to my mother, she'll poof. You get up and go, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you just don't do that. You know, some of you guys know, I mean, I, honestly, I mean this in the best way. I don't, and, I, and I've said this publicly before, I don't allow children to call me by my first name, Rodney. No, you can't call me Rodney. One kid, hey, hey, how you doing, Rodney? I looked at, <laughs> how old are you? 11, it's Pastor Rodney to you. Mr. Rodney, Pastor Rodney, Pastor Mr. Rodney Finch, <laughs> Mr. Pastor Finch Rodney. I don't know what you need to put something before that. You ain't grown. Parents, please, don't, if I ever correct your kids in front of you, and if I hear your kids calling you by the first name, I'm going to have to correct them. Because I think it takes a village. So y'all think Hillary came up with that. That's in the Bible, okay? We got to work together. All right, we got to work together. It takes a village. I'm going to help you. I mean, no, no, you cannot call your mother by her first name. Not in front of me. What's her name? Mommy. No, I ain't no mom. That's too, that's too, no, it's mommy. You got to act like a baby when you talk to me. <laughs> it's mommy. I mean, you know, I'm just saying honor to whom I, and it starts right there. And that comes from God. Because when you teach your children when they're a small age, there's this thing called respect. There's this thing called honor. There's this thing called authority. When you learn that in an earthly realm, it's easy to transition right into a spiritual realm to understand that God is God and you're not him. And don't you ever think you get on God's level because you don't. God is way above you, way above you. And it will teach you to approach God. It will teach you to reverence God. But you can't start when they're 16, 17, 20 years old. Well, I just don't know how they got so disrespectful. They got disrespectful because way down here, you didn't tell them it was Pastor Rodney. Or it was Mr. or Mrs. Or, sweetie, honey, you're not on their level. Honor to whom honor is due, the Bible says. We're talking about authority here in our chapter. We're talking about civil authority, but I think we could broaden that a bit and talk about authority even in the home, in our community. Authority is important. So you teach your kids authority in the home, and then when the police officer pulls them over or something like that. They already got this thing called authority all written in the DNA. And the police officer says, stop talking. They stop because they learned in the home authority is authority. And we've lost that in our culture, haven't we? We've lost it. And I see so much disrespect going on, on all kinds of levels. And the Bible talks about, as a matter of fact, that's a sign of the end times. No respect 
calling wrong right and right wrong. Honor to whom honor is due. Then Paul goes on in verse 8. Go ahead and look at it again. Owe no man anything except to love one another. Owe no man anything. Man, this was obviously written before Visa cards. (laughs) Owe no man anything. I was doing some reading this week and I found out, you know that Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to the church in Rome. It's like a physical church, a group of people, a body of people. And in the church, during the time that Paul was writing, there were some people in the church that were twisting the Lord's Prayer. And they were twisting it to make it mean something that it wasn't intended to mean. You know the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Well, there were people in the early church that were twisting that forgive us our debts to apply it to financial debt. So if somebody owed you some money, you would say to them, well, you know what? I pray the Lord's prayer. Therefore, I don't owe you. And I'm like, nice try. (laughs) Nice try. Uh, You can pray the Lord's prayer, but you didn't give my money. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So they were twisting that to say, well, you know, you just apply the Lord's prayer and you don't owe anything. And then there are people even today who will say that this verse means, oh, no man, anything. Perhaps you've heard this, that you shouldn't have a mortgage on your house because the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing. Or that you shouldn't have a car payment. It's sin to have a car payment, they'll say. Or it's sin to have a loan or to borrow money. This word, oh, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. This word, oh, in the Greek, is it written in the present tense? And that literally means it speaks of a continual thing. It would be better translated, this verse would be better translated, don't keep on owing anyone anything. You see, the idea is when you pay, when you make a payment or you you make a purchase, then you need to pay for it. Don't leave unpaid debts. It's not really talking about borrowing money. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, if someone wants to borrow from you, then give it to him. So this verse is not talking about borrowing money. It's simply saying, don't be so far in debt that you can't cover the debt that you made. And don't live above your means, America. Have you noticed, you know, we talk so much in our culture about abuse. Verbal abuse, mental abuse, wife abuse, husband abuse. We talk so much about abuse, child abuse. You know, I think in our country, we've got a problem with credit abuse. Have you noticed how much, how many commercials on TV encouraging you to buy now and pay later? I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Like buy now and you can pay in 2015. (laughs) They're just to get you on the hook. Or these easy credit things. So much in our culture, I think we've got credit abuse in our country. Causing people... To live above their means. The Bible says don't do that. Owe no man anything. Except, the Bible says, look at verse 8 again. Except to what? Except to love. You see that? There's only one thing that we're to owe. And one thing will never pay off. And that's the debt of love. Love is an unpaid debt. 
No matter how much we pay on love, there's still a balance due. Do you know you can never say, well, I've done all the loving I need to do. I ain't doing no more. (laughs) You can't say that. It's the Christian way of life. We're never done loving. We're never done loving. Then there are several ways to love. We need to understand that. Several ways of love. Several ways in which love is manifested. Sometimes love is manifested in gentleness and in kindness. Put an arm around the shoulder and, hey, you know, I feel sorry for you. And there's a gentleness. And sometimes, listen, love is manifested with a holy kick in the pants. Amen. Parents, we call that what? Tough love. You know, sometimes tough love is important. And don't let the world fool you. Spanking your children is a good thing. (laughs) Parents, do you realize that you are, are you listening? Do you realize you are loving your child when you spank them? That is loving your child. Now, me, when I was coming up, I didn't get spankings. My mother tore me up. (laughs) Anybody? I didn't get the spank. You know, it's like spankings. That seems so nice and gentle. I wish I got spankings. You know, I wish my mother, now, now you're just a bad little boy. (laughs) No, my mother's like, oh, I'm going to tear you up. You just wait. I'm going to tell you. And then I hated it, too, when you do something wrong. And then I'm going to tear you up when you get home. So, so you sit in the back of the car and you suffer. You suffer all the way home. And then when you get in the house, she's going to make a phone call. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. All right. And you're just waiting to get your whooping because it ain't going to be a spanking. It's going to be, I'm going to tear you up. And the craziest thing is that I remember in those days thinking, I can't believe she's doing that. She don't love me. If she loved me, she wouldn't spank me. You know, you say that. And now here I am many, many years later, and I look back on those and thank God for those whoopings. Thank God for that. Because those are the things that God used, those times of judgment, those times of punishment, are the very things that God used to make me who I am today, to to make you who you are today. God knows that. That's why God, now granted, we're not talking about child abuse. Please understand what I'm saying. Child abuse and spanking your child is two different things. Will somebody clap their hands with that? That's a whole different thing. And there are plenty, and there are plenty of awful, awful, awful cases of clear child abuse. Neglect and abuse. Plenty of those. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about biblically raising your child and biblically raising them to know God, to love God, and to obey God. That's what we're talking about here. So there's several ways that you can love. And Christianity in the church is the same way. Sometimes you need to tell people the cold, hard facts. It's very true. Sometimes you just need, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Because love is the highest law. And when you love your brother, you're fulfilling the entire law. Now, if you've been around here on Wednesday evenings, you know the law was given to Moses in a series of thou shalt nots. 
And it seems like they're all negative, but the negative was given to produce a positive because God loves us. And because God loves us, God wants us to love each other. And if you love each other as much as you love yourself, then in verse 9, you won't harm, you won't cheat, you won't kill, you won't want what someone else has, you won't commit adultery, and you won't do anything else that the Ten Commandments says is wrong. All of the Ten Commandments are summed up, wrapped up in this one, love your neighbor. Did you see that? In verse 9, as you love yourself. Please, Christians, get this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, remember when they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Because God gave the Jewish people 10 commandments and they took those 10 commandments, the Jewish people, and made 613 out of them. And now people do want to complicate it. God says 10 is all you can really handle. And they make 613. So they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment seeking to trap him? And Jesus said two. Number one, to love God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul. And the second, he said what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, there are people, listen, who say you can't obey Jesus' commandment about loving your neighbor until you learn to love yourself. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.